And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. want to say hello right now to our listeners on Spotify and Anchor FM and some of the other platforms we're broadcasting on here at Sunshine USA. After all, we are a Bible study podcast that reaches into all the world, all over the United States and in many countries around the world as well. And I'm Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, we have been going through the Gospels uh, in recent broadcasts. Uh, We're doing what they call a parallel study of the Gospels. We're trying to cover the life and ministry of Jesus uh, without a lot of redundancy or without a lot of overlapping. And, uh, And I think this is proving itself to be very beneficial. Now, today we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, starting with chapter 2 and verse 1. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm going to give you a a minute or two two to to find that. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, an interesting footnote about Mark is that Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. And we're also told it was one of the first of the Gospels to be published. Now, some of this uh, may have to do with the fact that it's the shortest of the Gospels. And, of course, uh, Mark was a relatively young man. And so he was an eager beaver. And he was apparently very productive. Now, it's very interesting to note he had a rough start in the ministry. Uh, He accompanied... Uh, Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. And very regretfully, Mark left that first missionary journey before it was finished. And this, of course, rubbed Paul the wrong way. And when it came time to go on the second missionary journey, uh, we find that Barnabas, who was actually a relative of Mark, he wanted Mark to go on the second missionary journey. And Paul said, nope, nope, nope. He said, this is not going to happen. He left us last time. We're not going to give him another chance to leave us again this time. And so for a while, uh, Paul and Mark had very little to do with each other. But we noticed that toward the end of Paul's ministry, guess what? (laughs) One of the people requested by Paul is none other than Mark. Mark evidently, over time, took advantage of opportunities to prove his usefulness to Paul. And Paul saw in the evening years of his life that indeed Mark had matured and become a productive, faithful follower of Jesus Christ. So by the time Paul gets to the end of life's journey, we find that Paul and Mark have become once again very good friends. Now, of course, that gives you hope (laughs) that even if you're a young minister who's made some mistakes along the way, God can still use you. Uh, You just have to remain faithful to the Lord and let the Lord help you learn from the mistakes that you've made. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, in Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1, we read, And again he entered into Capernaum, And after some days, it was noise that he was in the house. Now, Capernaum was in the Galilean region. 
And the Galilean region is where Jesus did the bulk of his ministry. Now, I suspect the main reason for that is the fact that these were the people that gladly received the message of Jesus. And so this is where Jesus spent the bulk of his time doing miracles and healing people because they were receptive. You'll notice they were not very receptive in his hometown of Nazareth because in Nazareth they literally threw him out of town. They, they did not like his ministry. They did not like his message. And of course he didn't want to go to Jerusalem right away because he knew that he had enemies in Jerusalem, among which would, of course, be the Pharisees and Sadducees, which were a thorn in the side of um, um, <laughs> Jesus, really his whole earthly ministry. And, of course, it's in Jerusalem that he would ultimately be put on trial, he would be crucified, and he would raise from the dead. Amen. Praise the Lord. But he didn't want to go to, to Jerusalem until it was time for his earthly ministry to come to an end. And so we find that Jesus used the bulk of his time and the bulk of his energy there in the Galilean region. Now, of course, the, the same is true today. Jesus will gladly reveal himself and make himself known where he is welcomed. But he is not going to waste his time trying to make himself known in an area where they don't love him, in an area where they don't welcome him. You know? <laughs> now, I believe very firmly that God is going to see to it that everybody has at least one opportunity to hear the gospel. And, and I think that's especially true here in the United States of America. I think very few people in America will be able to die and at the end of their life say, God, you know, I never had an opportunity to get saved. I know, for example, here in Greenville, South Carolina, my hometown, we have a church on practically every corner. We might have a couple of churches at every intersection. Now, of course, that's more than the national average. But I would dare say that with radio and television and the Internet, <clears throat> there are very few people here in the United States that have not had at least one opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and proclaimed to a lost and dying world. Amen. And even in other countries around the world, with missionaries and churches and the Bible, Many in the world will not be able to say, I never knew anything about Jesus. Now, of course, I realize there are language groups in America, I mean, pardon me, in other countries around the world that do not yet have the Bible in their language. And we have many fine organizations that are working to correct that. But I think God will see to it that everybody will have at least one opportunity to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible teaches that nature itself teaches us that there is a God. I mean, how can you look at this world, this universe, and say that there is no God? 
recently NASA has launched a very powerful telescope into space and I understand this telescope is up to 25 million miles away from Earth and it's bringing back to Earth some of the most beautiful pictures ever seen. It is actually uh, a replacement eventually for the previous telescope that was sent into space and that was the Hubble telescope which is still in use by the way but these telescopes are bringing back some incredible pictures pictures of incredible beauty and I ask you how can anybody look at this beauty and say that there is no God Amen praise the Lord but anyway Jesus comes to Capernaum Apparently he's preaching at a house in Jerusalem, or I should say in Capernaum, and news spreads very quickly that Jesus is in the house. I mean, Jesus during this time was immensely popular. He drew great crowds anywhere and everywhere he went. And pretty soon it was rumored that there was this house in Capernaum where Jesus was preaching. And great crowds had come to see him. And it says in verse 2, And straightway many were gathered together insomuch as there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. He preached the word unto them. Now you see, in my opinion, this actually has something to say to many modern evangelicals today. And that is, the old-fashioned preaching the word is just as relevant today as it ever was. You know, people today, they, they feel that the church has to put on a show in order to bring the people in. Uh, I maintain that you don't have to do that. I maintain the preaching of the word itself will draw people. I think people have a great hunger to hear what the Word of God has to say. And of course, that is what Jesus is preaching here in this house. It says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now think about this. There was this man who was paralyzed, and he had some friends that brought him to Jesus. I mean, obviously, these guys had heard that Jesus was healing people, and they wanted their friend, who was crippled and lame, to be healed. And they couldn't get into the house because every seat was taken. There wasn't even standing room. And so they go up to the roof of the house. Now, of course, my mind is running 100 miles an hour here. I'm thinking, you know, how do they do what they did and not draw attention to themselves. 
Apparently, they're able to climb up onto the roof of this house. And I'm assuming this was a, a, a fairly typical one-story home. And so it was a one-story home. And um, they go up to the roof of the house. And I'm wondering how in the world are they able to get on the roof of this house and start tearing the roof apart. And no doubt, you know, tiles or shingles were falling into the congregation. But apparently at first, nobody notices. That's how spellbound the people are. They're very intently tuned in to what Jesus is saying. And then finally, of course, they get a rope and a stretcher and they lower the man down into the building, right in front of Jesus. I mean, you talk about determination. This was determination. And really, when you think about it, it took great amounts of determination for this to take place. I mean, going up to the roof, tearing the roof apart, Lowering the body down into the roof. Now, I can only suspect they thought maybe all along they would have to do that. They knew that Jesus had packed a great crowd, and they knew they might have to do the rooftop maneuver in order to get this paralyzed man down to where they could get him in front of Jesus. And, of course, at this point, the paralyzed man could not be ignored. He was obviously someone who became the center of attention. It says in verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes there, and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but only God? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Now, by the way, understand that it says here Jesus could see what they were thinking. I mean, obviously a service was going on. The Pharisees and Sadducees were not speaking to Jesus. They were not speaking audibly. But yet Jesus could see what was in their heart. He knew what they were thinking. And he was not afraid to confront them. And I think by confronting them, among other things, he let them know, hey, even though you didn't say anything, I know what you were thinking. But this paralyzed man was healed. Now, the Bible makes it very clear here it was because of their faith. Now, I think I've said on, on previous broadcasts that one of the things that has to take place for healing to occur is there has to be faith. You have to believe that God could do what he says he could do. You know, you've got to believe that even though you're sick and ill and handicapped, you've got to believe that God can and will heal you. Amen? Amen. 
Now, we're going to skip down to verse uh, 11, and he says, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. That's in verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. After he converses some more with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, like I say, the Pharisees and Sadducees, I, I will tell you this, they did not like Jesus. I mean, they were just searching for an opportunity to get rid of Jesus. But they also couldn't ignore the fact that obviously Jesus was attracting huge crowds. He was immensely popular. And they knew that they would have to be very careful how they took him into custody. Otherwise, there would be an uprising. And they were smart enough to figure that out. So he says to this man, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way to thine house. Now obviously, this man did what he was told, and it served as additional proof that indeed and in fact this man had been healed. Now I suspect this was someone that the people knew very well, and I suspect they knew that probably since birth he had been this way. And now all of a sudden, hey, he could take up his bed, he could walk all the way home. Amen. Now we come to verse 12. And as he passed by, or let's go back to verse 13 a minute. And he went forth again by the seaside, this would be the Sea of Galilee, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me, and he arose and followed him. Now, I want you to notice something here. Uh, Levi, who was Matthew, he was a tax collector. Now, I don't have to tell you tax collectors were no more popular then than the IRS is now. Amen. People didn't like tax collectors back in those days, and nobody likes tax collectors today. Now, in the case of the Jews, the tax collectors were even more unpopular because they were considered traitors. Because, after all, they were collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. They were collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. So they were considered traitors. They were looked upon as collecting money for the occupying army. And also, you have to understand that it was commonly known that the way the tax collector got paid was to give you a tax bill that was actually bigger than what you actually owed. That's how the tax collectors got paid. You see, in a way, the, the Romans were very smart. They decided rather than send Roman soldiers into the occupied territory to collect the taxes, they would use Jewish people themselves to collect taxes. And the way these people would be paid, they would give you a bill bigger than what you actually owed. Now they had the authority to see to it that you either paid this bill or you went to jail. Now, given those two options, what are you going to do? 
Chances are, even though you know you're being robbed, even though you know you're being cheated, you're going to pay what the tax collector says you owe. Because then, then as now, nobody wants to go to jail. And so, in addition to being traitors, the Jewish people considered the tax collectors to be crooks and cheats. They were looked upon as people who were robbing and stealing from the people. And of course, some of these tax collectors had become incredibly wealthy in spite of their crookedness. But notice Jesus is even willing to call someone like that to be one of his followers. Now this gives me an opportunity to point out to you that no matter what kind of life you have been living, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how many crimes you've committed, God loves you so much and God wants to give you a brand new life. And the beautiful thing about this new life is it's absolutely free. No strings attached. All you have to do is receive it. Now, if I were preaching in your church right now, I would probably take out a dollar bill. And I'd hold that dollar bill up in the air. And I would say, who wants this dollar? Now, no doubt, there would be some people in the audience that would raise their hand. Now, not everybody would raise their hand because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, a dollar doesn't buy very much today. I'd probably have more takers if it was a $5 bill or a $10 bill or a $20 bill. And if this is a church where the offering's been good that week, I might even hold up a $20 bill and I'd say, who wants this? And, of course, like I say, everybody would raise their hand. And I would say, guess what? I'm going to give this to the first person that comes up here and gets it. That's a free bill. All you have to do is come and get it. And that is exactly what Jesus offers you today. He offers you a brand new life. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. All you have to do is come and take it. But you do have to do that much. Amen? Amen. Now, of course, obviously, once you get saved and come to know Christ as your Savior, then, of course, God is going to expect you to do the next thing, and the next thing is to live for him, to keep his commandments. One of the things I think I pointed out in a previous broadcast is the fact that living a life of disobedience to God will result in your prayers being hindered. Some people say, well, Warren, I've been praying about this a long time and I haven't seen my prayer answered. Well, it may be, I'm not saying that this is definitely true, but it may be that there's unconfessed sin in your life. And you need to deal with it. And then God will heal you and hear you. Amen. Amen.
Now, once again, when it comes to living the Christian life, we don't live a good, clean life in order to be saved. We do it because we are saved. I mean, it only makes sense that if you accept Christ as your Savior, it only makes sense that you want to be as much like Jesus Christ as you could possibly be. And that's why I say, you know, people that get saved, they're going to start living differently. Now, it may not happen overnight. In some cases it does, but in other cases it's going to take place gradually over a period of time. Because obviously once a person gets saved, then they have to go through a period of discipleship. This is where they learn about Jesus. They learn about the teachings of the Bible. And the more they learn, the more they want to take these principles that they're learning and put them to use in their everyday life. One of the things that I think is a necessity for the successful Christian life is the fact that you need to spend time every day, I mean every day, in the Word of God. You need to spend time every day in the Word of God. And I also believe that if you are saved, even though works will not save you, you will live a life that shows it. Um, I remember when I read in the Bible about Zacchaeus being healed. Now, Zacchaeus was another man who was a tax collector. Now, obviously, he made a killing, collecting taxes from the people. And after he got saved, he said, you know what? If I've taken anything from anybody, I'm going to pay them back more than I took from them. And Jesus told Zacchaeus, he said, this proves that salvation has come to your house. Just like that lame man proved that he had been healed when he took up his bed and walked home. When you get saved and you start living for the Lord, it's going to prove to others around you, hey, you've changed. I was talking to a man one time. He, he used to be one of the biggest drunks in town. And then he got saved and came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, of course, he told me, he said, you know, I think the biggest miracle of all is the miracle of being saved. But he says, I also think it's a miracle how the Lord took all that booze that I had been drinking and he turned it into furniture. He turned it into a nice house. Because now that he had quit drinking and he wasn't spending money on booze anymore, now he had money to buy nice furniture and a nice house and a nice car. A big change had come into his life as a result of him getting saved and coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen. I tell you right now, if you have been saved recently listening to this podcast, man, I would sure love to hear from you. And I want to send you some free materials in the mail that are going to help you grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. We're going to help you find a church in your area where you could get plugged in and Get involved in doing the work of the Lord. Amen. 
Now, the best way to contact me is by email. That's also the quickest way to contact me. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. It's also how you could contact me if you have a Bible study question or if you have a prayer request. And if you give me permission, like I say, I'll be glad to share your prayer request with our radio audience. And I have to imagine it would be a great blessing to you and an encouragement to you to know that Christians all over America and throughout the world are praying for you and whatever needs you have. Now, I also have a snail mail address. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Now, it's very important that you put that apartment number 8510 on there where I won't get it. And like I say, I would love to hear from you. And by the way, if you have any money you want to donate to this ministry, uh, you're welcome to do so. I don't spend a lot of time on this podcast asking people for financial contributions, but I can tell you we use wisely any money that comes in. I, for example, do not receive a salary for doing this podcast. I don't receive a salary from Sunshine USA. I do it simply because I love the Lord. And besides, I already have a retirement income. I don't need your offering money, but the ministry does need your offering money. And uh, I can truthfully say with God as my witness, I have never made making money a priority in my ministry. I, I can remember back when I was in seminary, I was being paid something like $100 a week to mow lawns. And I gave that up in order to start working for the campus Christian radio station, which paid absolutely nothing. I can remember another instance in my life when I gave up a $175 a week security guard job in order to be interim pastor of a church, and there I only made $75 a week. I I took a $100 a week cut and pay to become pastor of this small church in Louisiana. So I have never made making money a big priority in my ministry. Now, some people, you know, they think maybe that's where I went wrong. Maybe I could have had more money, they say, if... I had made making money more of a priority. But, you know, I I think, you know, when I consider all that Jesus has done for me, why should I charge him for it? And besides, one of these days, my Bible says, I'm moving into my heavenly mansion in my new glorified pain-free body. And, And when I think about that, no amount of money I could be paid on this earth amounts to anything anyway. Amen. The way I see it, I'm doing my family and friends a great favor. You see, one of these days when I die, you know what? I'm not leaving behind anything. There's nothing for my family and friends to fight over. I mean, the Lord's blessed me with some nice things. 
I have a, a very nice apartment to live in here in Greenville, South Carolina, and I don't own it. But I, I, I pay rent every month to live here. And I will say it's both the nicest apartment that I've ever had and the cheapest. I mean, I pay less than $300 a month in rent. How many of you can say that? I have a very frugal lifestyle. Because you see, I understand that when it comes to money, I can't take a dime of it with me. <laughs> I remember there was this news organization. They were doing an investigative reporter on one of these television evangelists. And they were talking to him about all this money he was making. Reportedly, this particular TV preacher made millions of dollars a year preaching the gospel on television. And he said, yeah, I make lots of money. And he says, because one of these days I'm going to heaven and I don't want to go to heaven broke. Well, let me tell you something, folks. If you go to heaven, you will go to heaven broke. You're not going to carry one dime that you have here on earth to heaven. You came into this world with nothing, and guess what? You will leave this world with nothing. That's a guaranteed fact. So I don't need to spend a lot of time on this earth trying to see how much money and things I can accumulate. Because I can't take it with me anyway. How many times have you seen a, a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer? It doesn't happen. Because you see, when you die, you can't take a thing with you. Amen. <laughs> you just cannot take a thing with you. Well, by the way, bearing in mind I've already given you my contact information, and you're going to need it because we're coming out with a paper newsletter that we'll send to you by way of first-class mail. It's a newsletter filled with all kinds of news and information about Sunshine USA. It will also share with you some of the vision that I have for the future of this ministry. It will also include some Bible study helps and devotional thoughts. And it's all available to you absolutely free. All you have to do is request it. And we'll send it out absolutely free. Now, I haven't decided yet if this is going to be monthly or quarterly or whatever, but we're going to send it out. I can truthfully say everything that I have is available to you for free. You know, these podcasts, we don't charge you money to listen to them. We don't require you to buy a membership in order to have access to this material. It's all free. It's my way of making a spiritual investment in your life. Amen. Well, I, I tell you, I don't know about you. I enjoy this get-together that we have every morning. Uh, to me, these get-togethers are incredibly exciting. I enjoy every minute of it. And I hope that you enjoy these get-togethers as much as I enjoy them. Because I always have a great time having fellowship with God's people. I mean, I, I go to bed at night and I realize that even as I sleep, even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning here in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm sound asleep, I know that people around the world are able to listen to this podcast. And they're able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're able to hear 
the Bible, the Word of God being taught. And by the way, I hope that you'll pass it on. I hope that you'll tell others that you know about how they can tune in. Chances are, if you enjoy the ministry of Sunshine USA, you know other people that would enjoy listening to this podcast as well. And I hope that you'll make it your mission to tell them about this exciting ministry that we have. Well, it's time to go now, but until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye, God bless you, and I will see you next time on Sunshine USA.